Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. That's where the line upon line comes in. So we don't go off on tangents, but we remain balanced in what we're doing. So when we look at this, His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him. That doesn't mean the predestined ones. It means whosoever. Anyone can receive Christ. Well, you know that God put people on earth just to send them to hell. That is not what the Bible teaches. And so you know how to need to know how to defend your faith when somebody comes along and says things like this. That whosoever believes in him. Now the word believe doesn't mean to simply acknowledge. We've talked about this before. The demons believe, the Bible say, and tremble. That doesn't make them, make them right with God. The word believe here means put all your faith, hope, and trust in him. He is your lifeline. I've used the illustration before of ropes. Now, when you say, I believe that's a rope, it can be coiled up, it can be laying there out in your yard, and you go, wow, that's a rope. I believe that's a rope. Is it a rope? Yes, it is. But now, if I was going to rappel down the side of a hill with it, would I say, I believe that's a rope? No, I'd say, I believe that's a rotten rope that's been sun-rotted, and I wouldn't trust that any farther than I can pick it up. Why? Because there's a difference between acknowledging something exists and putting your faith, trust, and hope in it. That's what the Bible talks about. He who believes, put your faith, hope, and trust in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now again, why is everlasting life important? Because we're all dying. Do you know that? You you look at that, you go by the cemeteries out here, there's a birth date and a death date and a little, little mark between. That little mark is your life. I thought, how tragic, a little line that long is your life. Born, you know, December 31st, 1952, died, blah, blah, blah. And there's a little line. That little line's your life. All the things you ever did, on that little line. I look at that and I go, wow, I wonder if the people will realize when they were living if th- their life was going to be summarized and, 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 and uh, encapsulated in a little line for everybody else to see. You know, down in some ca- Southern California, they actually have live uh, funeral or a live grave uh, plots. <laughs> this is true. You go along and there's a button with a thing sticking out of the ground and you push the button. Hi, my name is Bill. I'm dead now, but I wanted you to know what kind of a life I... And I'm serious. They have a self-narrated coffin. And I go, wow, that is weird. You know, somehow that that... See, immortalizing a person is not is not telling people your story. Immortalizing your person as one person did to have his name paged in a, in a large hotel every hour long after he was dead to keep his name alive. But it's what God thinks of us. And that's what's important. What does a person that's dying need? Life. An everlasting life. I've talked to people that say, I don't need everlasting life. I hate the one I've got. I feel like jumping off the bridge. <laughs> 
Well, that's a problem, isn't it? You see, because of lacking purpose. Every one of us need purpose. If you don't have purpose, you're not going to, to live long. There's three things we all need. A reason to live for, a faith to live by, and a self you can live with. There's a lot of people that don't like living with themselves. That's why they get stoned and loaded, because that alters them enough that they can be in another reality. You need a faith to live by. What makes you tick? Why do you get up in the morning and put your feet on the ground to start a new day? And you need a reason to live for. What's your reason today? See, these are all reasons that we have to look at. Well, God sent His only begotten Son. And those that says you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Oh, this shell's going to go unless the rapture comes and it's transformed. But our shells are going to go. And uh, as I get older, I, I see the need for that. But you know you're going to get a body that doesn't hurt someday? You, you don't have to be in your 40s or 50s to, to have pains and aches. I've talked to people in their 20s. Boy, I've talked to some, some of the guys that I know that were in the rodeo crowd. Man, those guys, 22 years old, they're, they're crippled up as somebody that's 90 years old. They've been so many broken bones and all those kinds of things. But you know, we're going to get a new body that doesn't hurt. The Bible says, and we'll have everlasting life. A reason to live for, a faith to live by, a self you can live with. These are all so important in our lives. If we lack any one of them, we're going to find ourselves imbalanced in this life. Well, then he says in verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The word condemned here means to fully judge. Jesus did not come into this world to fully judge the world, at least not yet. He made a provision for us to be redeemed to the master's side. Isn't that great to know that God didn't want us to be orphans? But he wanted us to be redeemed to him, that we would have everlasting life, a life worth living, and not be condemned. Who condemns us, the Bible says? The Bible says Satan does. And this is a real problem, because if you don't have Christ in your heart, you're going to walk around being condemned, and the reason why, we are. <laughs> why is that? Because... We know we're guilty. Notice he says, He who believes in him, in verse 18, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Wow. Says they're already condemned. Why? Because we're born in sin. Again, I've shared this before. When we sin, it doesn't make us sinners. When we sin, it proves what we are. We're sinners by nature. That's why it's so easy. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to sin? It's because we already have an automatic bend for it. And yeah, that could be fun. You know, and we go off. But you know, God's got a better way. And here we find that the condemner is the devil. He's the one that started the condemnation back in the garden. And he's the one that reminds you that you're lost and you're worthless. This is why people who need Jesus get everlasting life. Because the devil seems to spend overtime on trying to make people 
either fill themselves with pride that they're so uh, invincible, they're never going to die, or that you're so worthless, why don't you just go jump off the bridge? See, that's the way the enemy works. The enemy's clever, and he knows how to attack you. In fact, the Bible says, our adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, Peter says, seeking whom he can devour. He studies you to find out how he can get to you, how he can hurt you, how he can remove you from what God wants you to do. Notice he says, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You ever notice that a bar is dark? <laughs> You know, I, I mean, it, it's crazy. People love darkness. Now, it's speaking of spiritual darkness here, but it also transcends into the physical world. Bars are dark. There's a reason why. I used to work for National Cash Register in Los Angeles. And I used to have to go into bars in the daytime, many of them that weren't even open. They didn't open until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I guess they wanted to start happy hour and Whatever it was. So I'd have to go in and work in these cash registers and stuff like that. It was the worst job. In fact, we would sit around at the service department and we'd fight over who had to go into the bars to service the cash registers. Now, back in those days, they weren't electronic. They had keys and you remember how they were. Well, anyway, their hands would be dripping with drink mix and sugars and it would all run down in the keys and they were gooey and it stunk. And we would go in there with the lights on. Now, this is something the people never saw that went into the bar after 5 o'clock. There's no windows in bars anyway, if you notice. And so they'd go in there, and, and, and we'd go in there, and we'd turn the lights on. And it was, it was like the creepiest place you'd ever been. Back in those days, you could smoke inside buildings and the walls and the roof were yellow and the walls were yellow and the floors were yellow. And, 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 and I, I just, it, it was a creep show. It's something you didn't want to do. And so I realized that darkness hides reality. That's the way people stay. They stay in darkness because as long as they're in darkness, the light doesn't reveal their sinful ways. And that's one of the things that God does. You know, I don't know how many people here, when you were probably a teenager, and somebody would come in your room, like at 6 in the morning, and flip the light on. Ah, turn that out. Why? Light hurts my eyes. I don't like that. It changes my reality. You see, I was nice. I was sleeping. I was surfing in Hawaii. And then somebody comes in and turns the light on in my room and wakes me up. And here I am back where I was. Darkness hides things. But the Bible says Jesus is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So in Christ reveals, and unfortunately, and this is the problem. And this is what this is talking about. People would rather live in the light, in the darkness, than come to the light, have their sins manifested, revealed, dealt with, and be free. And that's weird. Because we think somehow holding on to things that will never help me, never never benefit my life, in some way that's going to make me better. It doesn't. Darkness always takes us away from God's purpose for our life. 
Now the Bible says that men stumble in the darkness because if the light was on, it would reveal where the obstacles are. You go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Your pinky toe can find stuff you didn't even know existed. Because we walk in the dark. And if there is any light in the room, we usually like to keep our eyes closed just enough so we don't see it. The problem is, darkness always does its damage. And this is what he says. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed or revealed. But he who does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. This is what the Bible tells us about. It says that's how you know a Christian from a person in the world. That they're... Jesus said, by your fruits you know them. That's how you know. The fruit is what you do. By the way, it doesn't say by their sins you know them, or by their, by their failures you know them. It says by their fruit you know them. And, and I believe, friends, that's so important. That's how you know if somebody's genuine or not. What is the fruit in their life? Hey, for all of you that are parents that got your kids here today in Sunday school, it's fruit in your life. You care enough about your kids to get them in church. That's a good thing. For you that, that share your faith with your friends, share, shows that there's enough in you that says, hey, I, I want you to come out of the darkness and you can walk in the light and you can leave those things in the darkness that are causing you to stub your toe, spiritually speaking, or destroy you. See, all of those things are so important because as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the Bible says we have fellowship one with another. Who's the condemner? Satan is. Satan is the one that condemns. But it is powerless against a believer because Jesus has taken our sin away. If we don't walk in the light, then we become prey to the lie of darkness. Darkness takes on many different forms. Darkness never, darkness never will perform what we think it will in our life. Because by staying in the darkness, things are hidden, doesn't mean they're not there. You see, and and things that, that are there that need to be dealt with because they're in the darkness and you don't see them doesn't mean they're not morphing. In other words, they are becoming something bigger and worse. When we come to the light, God reveals those things. He takes that away. But God, I might like that particular thing in the darkness. This is where God says, trust me. Let me take that out of your life so I can give you what I want you to have in your life. That's the way God works. We only have so much ability to contain. You ever notice that? You only, your arms are only so big. Your garage is only so big. We only got so much room to put our stuff in. Well, it's the same way it is with us. We only got so much room for us to contain. And if I'm holding on to things 
that are not good for me, I will never have what will be good for me. That's why when we become a Christian, it's not just fire insurance, apple pie and the sweet by and by or whatever it might be, but it's that God's got something that he wants us to do here. That's why when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't think you can really ever really almost share a, a Bible verse or a, a sermon without going back to God's eternal purpose for us as humans. That's why we're here. And you know, most people don't spend, even as Christians, spend five minutes a week even saying, God, what do you want me to do for you today? And that's probably one of the most important things we can do. Because God opens and closes doors according to his will. Because he loves us, he opens and closes doors so we'll be about our Father's business. We won't waste time on meaningless things. You know, there are many things that are very um, noteworthy and great, but it will produce nothing in eternity. So God tries to, I believe, slim us down, cause us to be a a person that is tuned into his channel so we'll hear what he has to say to us so we'll be of the most importance in this world. You know, God's put you on this earth for a reason. It isn't to uh, to occupy space, just to click off another day, hoping you're going to find what God really has for you, but there's an eternal purpose for you. And that eternal purpose that God has for you goes beyond what we know. You know, a lot of times people will come to Christ and they'll say, you know, Jesus, okay, if I come to you, what will you do? And we kind of got it all figured out. Well, you know, God, you're going to have to explain to me what's going to happen in five years and 10 years. And that isn't the way God works. Every day, God just shows us what he wants us to do. So walk of faith, friends. And so when we walk in faith, and sometimes I found in my own personal life, just getting up in the morning and putting one foot in front of the other is the walk of faith. God, what do you want me to do today? I don't feel like doing nothing. You help me do what you want me to do. And we get up and we do and be about our father's business. And in the long run, God's kingdom is furthered. Now, again, God doesn't grade us every day on what we did today. God looks at our lives and he, and, and you know, sometimes it's the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. A lot of times I've had people come up to me as a Christian and say, Mike, I don't think God's doing anything in my life. And I go, what are you talking about? Here the person goes out and, and, and is very active serving Christ and yet they don't see how God is using them. I think that's why fellowship is important because again, as it says, as we walk in the light, um, we have fellowship one with another. Why is that important? Because I can say, hey, by the way, I can see what God's doing in your life. I, I can see how God's making a change in you. And, and because of that, we know God's active. By the fruit, we know him. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, may, maybe you're holding on to a lot of stuff that, that isn't, isn't helping you. I mean, things in our personal lives that we go, well, God, I know I should not do that. You know, it's funny. It says that we're already condemned if we don't accept Christ. Again, being a sinner, sinning doesn't make you a sinner. Sinning just simply proves what we are. We're already condemned. Jesus is the only known cure for death. And so when we understand how God works in our lives, God's got a purpose for us, for every one of us. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, we're going to pray. And um, because that's so important. 
people that uh, sometimes don't think, well, you know, I, I was raised in church. I was baptized when I was a baby. I was christened. I was catalyzed. I was psychedelicized in church. I had all those things happen to me. I'm good. But only you know deep down inside of your heart if you're really where God wants you to be. And what is that? Yielded servant to him. Say, Lord, here am I. I just ask you to do what you want to do in my life. You see, we can't really say that unless we're born again. Sin has severed the communication line between us and God. Jesus Christ comes out as the lineman saying, I'm going to repair that line so you can have fellowship with God again. And he stands at the door and he waits to see if we'll open and allow him to heal us, restore the line of communication to God. You see, that's why he died on the cross. To take away the sin to cut the phone lines. That we would once again be able to communicate to God. If you've never prayed, ask Jesus into your life. We're going to pray right now. And you can ask God to do what he wants to do in your life. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe you died on the cross for me. And I do believe in you. And I do put my faith, hope, and trust in you. That I would have everlasting life. And so now, I entrust my life into your hands. I want to be about your business. And so, from this day forward, may you take my life and may I be a blessing to you in your kingdom. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to, to, to do something for your kingdom, God, that I would be able to, to bless others. Not for heaven, but because I love you. And so, God, we now ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at the River Christian Fellowship com slash it's time on behalf of pastor mike and the rest of us here at the river christian fellowship thank you for listening and tune in next time for it's time <laughs>